Oh boy. All right. Uh, emergency episode of, I almost said the second turnbuckle podcast, my wrestling one, Jesus for whatever reason. Christ. I was talking with the guys earlier, and I'm like, my fucking brain's all over the place. Yeah, the, well, last, the last week has been fucking interesting. Well, interesting is definitely a word. A word. For it. Um, so it's only two of us because I had to get people who were ready. Uh, so it's just me and Thomas. Uh, we're also big music people. And uh, before we get into... Uh, the collapse of the banking system, <laughs> as we know it. <laughs> um, and before we get into that, uh, we're both big music guys, and Bobby Caldwell, one of the greatest uh, jazz musicians, R&B artists, uh, one of the greatest musicians ever, died this morning, which blows. He Apparently he'd been having uh, health issues for the past six years yeah. after uh, having an allergic reaction to one of his medications. So he passed this morning in his wife's arms, which yeah. Uh, 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 if you were going to die anywhere, as as much as it's emotional for both people, I'm sure until of course the one passes, and then it's very emotional for the one that stays. I I would much rather die that way, or I, somebody I know die that way. I agree. I would much rather pass in my wife's arms or have my wife pass with me. Right. Than, exactly. Oh well. Right or. Like, by a really deadly disease or something yeah. very, very awful yeah. and serious. So, rest in peace. We honored you a little bit on the way here. Yeah. With what we, one of your what best do, songs. Listen to What Do We Do For Love, because it's... What Do We Do For Love, excuse me. Yeah. And... Great song. We will continue to be doing so in our own time, in our own way. Absolutely. One of the, one, one of the most prolific jazz songwriters. And... For those of you who don't know, he had so many people, so many people, including Tupac Shakur, take parts of his songs and use them. He touched so many communities with his music. It's insane. Without people knowing it, too. Yeah, yeah. Which is... That's the big thing. It's honestly... It's a tragedy to lose someone like him. So For may sure. he rest in peace. May he have a wonderful life for those who believe in it may he uh fertilize the new generation of whatever greenery is to come may he be happy and great in whatever beyond y'all believe in absolutely put it better myself all right and with that oh boy do we have some shit to get into <laughs> Sentiments over. Holy shit, we're all. Don't get a gun if you don't have. <laughs> Please, for your own safety. It's that's not even a joke at this point. No, we're in trouble. All right. Yeah. So everybody by now has heard of the collapse of Signature Bank, uh, the Manhattan-based uh, bank, and Silicon Valley Bank out here in California. Um, I'm going to kind of go through some definitions, uh, talk about why this whole thing is a problem go through the timeline, the fallout, so so on and so forth. It's essentially going to be a gigantic deep dive into the banking system. And I'm basically here to go, hey, uh, put that into better layman's terms, because people will go, what the fuck is that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the there's a couple things that need to be defined first, and I'm going to try to keep it relatively simple, because I know finance and debt and things are very complicated for a lot of people and people hear it and just kind of shut their brain off. So I'm going to try to be as entertaining as possible. 
Also, fair warning, we have alcohol prepared because oh, we are up the fucking wazoo right we now. We are going to need it. Which is why you're going to hear this a fair few times. Yeah. Um, so, the the first couple things that really uh, we need to talk about uh, is what mortgage-backed securities are. And the way to start with that is what a mortgage is. And what a mortgage is, is a debt instrument that's used for buying a house. It's just a certain kind of loan. When you get a mortgage loan, a bank you know, gives you money that you have to pay back later. That's what the mortgage represents. It's money to a bank that you pay off over time. It's usually 15 or 30 years. And a mortgage-backed security is a lot of mortgages essentially stamped together and sold as a security. So you can kind of think of it as a mortgage-backed security is to a mortgage what plywood is to wood chips. So wood chips as a singular thing, you can't really do a whole lot with them. But if you, you know, because they're ununiform and what have you, you can press it together in a flat shape and you can use that to build things with. It's a more easier way of using wood chips. So mortgages are in the same way. You can get a really big mortgage loan. You get a really big or really small one, excuse me. You can get one that's 15 years. You can get one that's 30 years. And if you press them all together and sell them as a security, first off, you're allegedly supposed to get a bigger return for it. Obviously, banks want to arbitrage the difference of money that they pay for these things versus the yield they'll get back from them, yield being money they receive, right? So that's the whole point of what a mortgage-backed security is. You're selling a bunch of mortgages together as one instrument to various savers, pension funds, whatever. We don't need to know what a pension fund is. It's just these things get sold for a bigger return. Um, that aside, that's one big part of this. Uh, treasury bills are another big part of this. Uh, treasury bills are government-issued bonds. So it's 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 essentially another kind of mortgage. It's just like as far as debt goes, but it's it's a certain kind. Mortgages are for houses, for buildings, or, or leases. Treasury bills are for government. So government issues bonds. People buy those bonds with money, expecting whatever amount of return. Usually, I think right now, treasury bills are around 3.5% to 4 somewhere in there. Uh, 3.25 to 4. Right, something like that. Uh, for... For uh, for uh, twenty year for ten it's a little less five it's less two it's less so on and so forth. Um, the the Fed funds rate is the rate of uh, essentially it's the rate of interest that banks charge each other for loaning out excess reserves. So uh, we'll get into what reserves are when we talk about fractional reserve banking, which is the entire basis of our system, and then. Uh, and we'll get more into the Fed funds rate there too. And then liquidity is just the ability of a bank, of a depository, somewhere where you put money, whatever. whatever fi in finance, it just means the ability to be liquid, the ability to convert assets into cash. And cash is the ultimate liquid thing. And then something that is the least liquid thing with the least ability to turn to cash is land. So and then everything else falls in between. Okay, all that out of the way. Before we move on to fractional reserve banking, Thomas, was that all good? That seems that pretty... all made sense overall. Yes, overall, yes. It's it's pretty easy to catch up if you went huh because you explained all the way through. Okay, 
uh, if you need to keep replaying this, I don't blame you. <laughs> I'm an economics guy, so yeah. I get this stuff, and I get when people are like, what the fuck did you just say? L- long and short, he's a fancy accountant, Yes, and he knows what all this is, and if he's panicked about it, and I'm panicked about it, in terms, of, <laughs> in, terms of, in terms of government, money, banking, uh, it's probably a good start to be like, Maybe I should look into this. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Because uh, I don't want to say out of the friend group who's normally here, out of the group of people that's normally here on the podcast, this is more, this is definitely your domain, but I have a foot in it as compared to the rest. Right, for sure. And and by the way, I don't blame anybody for not wanting to know or not understanding. It's uh, it's a fucking whirlwind to get into. All right. Speaking of whirlwinds, time for the biggest one. So... When we're talking about fractional reserve banking, the most important thing to recognize is when you deposit your money in banks, you don't own it. You think you do, you don't. At any point, the bank can say, no, you're trying to withdraw your money out of your bank account. Sorry, we're not going to allow it. We don't have enough customer deposits. And the reason why is what's called fractional reserve. So all banks are required to hold reserves as customer deposits. So if people are pulling their money out of the banks, they have enough deposits to meet the demand. Deposits literally just meaning money that you deposited with the bank. You deposit $100 in in your savings account or your checking account or whatever, you expect that to be there. And if everybody pulls out their money all at once, we get big problems. And it's specifically because, excuse me, specifically because of fractional reserve banking. And it's set by the Fed. And banks are only required to keep a certain amount of reserves on hand. And the rest it can loan out. So, for example, Thomas, and you're going to, you're going to, again, be the audience ombudsman and tell me if this makes sense. So, if you were to deposit $1,000 into your checking account, they only have to hold $100 of that as reserves. Yeah. The other 900 they can lend out to whomever. The other 900 is liquid for whoever needs it. For whoever else needs it. That, that can be auto loans. That can be whatever. If they are the, the holder of the, uh, of the loan, they can have other banks give them money for it. Right? Okay. That makes sense. So, so um, if you deposit $1,000... 10% of that, so $100, is your money that you can pull at any given moment. We're, we're talking in aggregate. No, no. In aggregate. Yeah. I don't over, literally over. just you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So that $100 is, at that moment, what you actually have. Right. You have 10% of whatever your actual balance is at any given moment. Uh, because, yeah. Roughly 10%. Roughly depending 10%. On, depending on the banking, depending on... Depending on the reserve ratio, which we'll get yeah. into. Yeah. So, you do not own your money when you put it in the bank. That's yeah. why you go with a credit union. Um, credit unions are subject to it, too. They're subject to it, too, but not... It's a, not as bad. It's... Yeah. It's credit... It's... Credit unions are subject to it as well, but it's not a, as high of a percentage. Low. A high percentage. No, no, no. no I, mean, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't high like percentage you. loaned out. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I got so, you. so. You want to 
watch how much you're putting in. Yes, exactly. And you want to watch how much you're taking out at any given moment. Yes. Because exactly. the bank can't just overall say, mm, sorry, we don't have the money for that at the moment, even though it's the bank and they have hold of all your money, which is why some people who at this point are no longer wearing tinfoil hats, they're going, I fucking told you so. Right. Keep all their money in the mattress. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, and this is the basic reason for why SVB went under. We'll get more into that later. So by the, the Federal Reserve, uh, these depository institutions, okay, banks, the, they set what the reserve ratio is, which is the ratio of reserves versus loans that they can give out. And it used to be 10%. When we hit COVID, it went to zero. By the way, I'm not joking. The Federal Reserve put the reserve ratio requirement in 2020 to zero. So banks could lend out all of your money. That's fucking insane to think about. I do not want the bank to be able to go, "Mm, you have $10,000 in here. Well, now Joe down the street has $10,000. Exactly. It's literally the scene from It's a Wonderful Life. Remember the bank run in It's a Wonderful Life? He said, well, you, well, Frank, you well, you no longer have your money. We gave it to Paul down the show, or what, you know, whatever the line I, I honestly just, just thought about uh, fucking so- uh, South Park. Okay, you've deposited and it's gone. Yes. Actually. It's, it's literally that. It's literally that. Um, yeah, uh, the reserve ratio is set by the Fed. Now, the does Fed? it... That's the Fed. It doesn't literally mean that... A bank, it, it just has to keep at least 10%. Most people go above that. Uh, most banks will keep reserves above that for for liquidity reasons, for capitalization reasons, so on and so forth. Probably explain what capitalization is, right? The, the ability to convert your liabilities, the things you owe as a bank, into capital. Cash to uh, uh, like two, like two years yeah. securities. Things that mature or come to fruition in two years, like if you get a thousand dollar two year security at three percent, you'll end up with a thousand thirty dollars in two years when it matures, when it comes to the length of its term. Yes, make sense. Yes, cool. Phone's falling. Uh, you dropped your phone the way you dropped your balls in middle school. <laughs> um, uh, metal understand that. Yes, exactly. Okay. So that is the very bare bones fractional reserve banking. And it is the entire basis of our system. I'm going to throw out there when he says it's bare bones, it is. There is that is not as a bare bones. As no, this is this is more bare bones than, you know, that cooking for dummies book you can find at Barnes and Noble. It right, is exactly. easier than that. Yeah, exactly. We, I, I, we could get into how the money multiplier. And uh, central banks, like central banks, do this too. Now, for us, our central bank in the United States is the Federal Reserve. It's what our central bank is. They, they're the ones that create money, so on and so forth. We're, we'll probably get into that later. But they're also the ones that fuck everything up. Correct. Um, so, just for that moment, this is as much as you need to know for the SVB and signature bank collapse. That is as bare bones as you need to know. Now, we're going to go into the timeline. So in 2020, uh, of course, the Fed puts the reserve ratio to zero. They cut interest rates to essentially zero. Like the Fed funds rate, the overnight rates, they go essentially to zero to try to get liquidity moving, or excuse me, to keep liquidity and cash and capital moving throughout the system. What that did 
and and of course the fed pumped a whole bunch of money into the system uh, five to six to seven trillion it depends who you ask but the base money supply increased a lot the money supply being the totality of currency in circulation inside the entire economy went way 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 up in 2020 a lot of that didn't go to us of course because you know we're the low we're the lowly people down at the bottom rung it went to financial institutions it went to silicon valley it went to tech people and with svb and signature bank specifically a lot of their clientele got a bunch of money and when they deposited it in the bank so svb specifically had around 40 to 50 billion dollars in its total assets in customer deposits uh, that we know of that's what we're that's what people are guessing you can go check their balance sheets from 2019 and 2020 that's about what people are expecting it rose to 220 billion dollars by 2022 so just within a couple of years their their balance sheets increase exponentially three to four times and a lot of that of course as we discussed in fractional reserve banking did not stay as customer deposits. Of course, they don't want excess reserves because it's they're not making money. In a fractional reserve system, all the money that you're keeping as deposits is not earning money for the bank. They want to you know, get a yield back, arbitrage the difference in interest rates versus the yield that they get out, and that's how they make the money. If you loan out as a bank $10,000, you want some amount of return back, and that's how they make the money. So they, if they lend a bunch of money to the Fed at 2%, 1%, whatever, they want to loan it back out. They want a liquidity that they can loan back out at 2 to 3% percent, so that they can make a 1% yield difference if everything goes according to plan. So their balance sheets increase like crazy. They go 100 plus billion dollars up, and a lot of that money gets loaned out. To by the time that SVB collapsed, they had around $40 billion in reserve left out of their $220 billion in assets. And of course, to a bank, a loan is an asset because it represents yield, money that they will get back. And as we also said in the fractional reserve section, money that is left as customer deposits, as long as not everybody pulls all their money out at once, works great. That's the whole thing with fractional reserve banking is as long as it doesn't, as long as there's essentially not a run on the banks, everything's fine. Funny you mentioned that uh, so long as there's not a run on the banks. Hmm. Exactly. And that's where we're going. So part of this lending money out was or buying treasuries. Oh, oh, yeah, and also I should say, they don't just lend the money out, they can also purchase other things. So a lot of what SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, purchased was these 10-year treasuries. The treasuries are the treasury bills that I referred to earlier, money that they are giving to the government with promise of return when it, when it matures. Here's the thing that gets crazy. In... 2020, 2021 especially, they bought a lot of these 10-year treasuries at a 1 to 1.5% yield or 1 to 1.5% return. So they buy a bunch of them 
they buy a million dollars at like a 1.5% return. What even is that? Like a million and then a couple thousand? What was the number? Uh, a million and then 1.5 return. A million with a 1.5 return? A million is six zeros. If it's 1%, you go to thousand four zeros or ten thousand excuse me and then point five yeah. is yeah uh five thousand so a, a, a one million, a million fifteen thousand yep and that would be your yield and they did you know a bunch of that it wasn't just a million dollars it was a lot if you have a million and you're only getting fifteen thousand out of it right well and what people the reason you would do this is because 2020 and 2021 of course there's a giant financial crisis yeah it could from but, shutting, but again, shutting the economy if, if, down. If just getting like fifteen thousand out of it—that's not a massive. Well, so the reason why you would do that is because government treasuries, as long as interest rates don't increase, are a very safe investment. Because it's government with fiat currency, they can—they will guarantee you the return essentially. So it's a fairly safe bet. Here's the thing: remember when I said as long as interest rates don't increase? Yeah. They did. As long as interest rates don't increase, that's correct. The problem is that they did, as you said, they increased quite a bit. So, Which, if you want to know how to tell that, uh, look at your tax rate when you go out to buy food. Right, exactly. That's that's the easiest way to do it. Or the way that I've always done it, and it's the same way that I tell, okay, this is how like uh, the state of living is where I go somewhere. Look at the price of a pack of cigarettes. Yeah. That's, That's the way. easiest way to tell something because That's a good way. cigarettes have the tobacco tax on them, then they have sales tax as well, depending on where you go. Uh, you can. Uh, there's also if you check your bank statements, the credit card statements. Yeah, APR. They is a bit annual percentage yeah. return. Yeah, which that's that's a good one. But, that's a good one. But car loans will tell you car loan rate. Mortgage, obviously, obviously, yeah. So. When you per- when they purchased all of these treasury bills at 1.5%, they were banking for whatever reason that interest rates would not increase. Despite Jerome Powell, the chair of the Federal Reserve, saying, we are going to increase interest rates. And we are going to continue because inflation is approaching. Or it, Well, at that time, there was no inflation. But 2022 rolls around. No. There well, was there inflation. was. There was it just price inflation. There was inflation. There's very minimal price inflation. Exactly. Monetary inflation was crazy insane. It hadn't gone through into velocity yet, reflecting in prices. It was in the United States. It was, yeah. It was getting to the United States. It was just where it hit first. Because it also affects our trade with other countries. Yes, exactly. If you look at, um, say you're going on a vacation, right? The if you look at uh trading your currency, say you're trading the United States dollar for yen from Japan, you can see the price of one dollar per. I, I think it's like fourteen yen right now, uh, something I don't, like I don't that. Know what it is. It, so there's a conversion rate for it. Right. So obviously, the monetary difference is going to cause a um. Like an overall, it would cause the conversion. Rate. It would cause the conversion rate to increase. Yes, it'll cause the conversion rate to increase, which, in theory, shouldn't change the price of the goods, but it does. Yeah, it, it means the purchasing power of your currency is lowered. Exactly, that's what inflation is. It's it's a reflection of the purchasing power of dollars. Yeah, which, by the way, or yen it, or whatever. Or, which, if we're going to talk about it, let, let's Hungary. I know you guys aren't hearing this yet, but what the fuck is your purchasing power at? Uh, nothing. 
No, it's damn near next to nothing because a do- a United States dollar is like three hundred thousand of whatever Hungarian currency is right now. It's yeah. fucking insane. Like so, when like it, uh, you can think of it really easily. We all learned about Germany after World War One. They went into a, a, a crazy inflationary cycle from the German marks being printed from literally nothing. So you can have a bunch of dollars, but it doesn't per- or a, a bunch of marks, but it doesn't purchase anything. So you can think of those. Uh, oh, three something. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. You can think of those pictures of wheelbarrows full of ash bills. They don't. They can't really purchase anything. So you can think, I have a dollar, or I can have. I have one mark, but really, you have, in terms of value, you have one millionth, essentially. Uh, and there's more to inflation, but that's effectively what it is. So 2022 rolls around. Grown, uh, at 2021 and 2022 rolls around. They know that they've printed a whole bunch of money that's gone into the system. They're going to have to raise rates because it, there's so much uh, circulation of money. It's causing gigantic price inflation. And one of the tools that the Federal Reserve has to cool inflation is to affect interest rates through the Fed funds rate. So we were talking about the Fed fund rate earlier. When I say it's the rate at which banks lend to each other, it also includes the Federal Reserve. So when the Federal Reserve wants to pull money out of the system, pull capital out of the system, it increases the Fed fund rate by how many ever basis points. So it makes capital more expensive. They say they go in open market operations. They say, hey, a primary bank, we want to purchase your bad assets from you and take money out of the system, right? And that's how they affect it. So roll throughout 2022, we keep getting rate increases. We keep getting rate increases. And this would be the time that Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank should have sold off their bad debts. Here's the problem. They didn't. So... The value of the debts that they are holding gets lower and lower and lower. And now, why is that? You might ask. It's their interest rates. Interest is the price of money. It represents the amount of return you're going to get on loans you give out, or, or more specifically, if you're acquiring securities, the amount of return you're going to get from that, uh, from that security. So, at one to one point five percent, that's the yield. As the interest rate keeps going up, more and more and more people are like, I want to buy those securities. I want to buy the ones at 4.5%. I don't really want the ones at 1.5% because I'm not going to get as much money back for them. So inherently, those are more valuable than the ones that are 1.5%. So come 2023, really late 2022, they have a ton of unrealized losses. Realized meaning if, you, uh, if you've if you ever invested, you'll know what realized is when you try to cash out. You have, a, uh, if you buy a stock, right? You buy a stock in Apple, it goes from 200 to 400. You cash out, you've realized the gains. So you bought it at 200, sold it at 400, you've realized $200 in gain. If you have unrealized, it's you haven't sold it yet. So Silicon Valley Bank, uh, go back to the beginning. They bought a bunch of these treasury bills, 1.5%. They don't sell them off for 
a year, year and a half, even as rates keep increasing, the value of them has gone lower and lower and lower. And we're now in 2023 in this position where they have $15 billion in unrealized losses that they haven't incurred yet. Here's the part where it gets kind of tricky. Okay, before I continue on this, I know you've been in and out of paying attention. No, I've been paying attention the whole time. It's just... You're talking to people, I get it. Yep. Is there anything that you heard that I need to go back to? Mm, nothing. Everything seems pretty well explained so far. No. Because this is the part where it gets a little squirrely. <clears throat> In the words of Anakin, it's when the fun begins. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, investors that have their money in the bank as deposits are looking for signs of the bank's health. And one of those things is liquidity. And the way that an investor would look at a unhealthy bank is as soon as that bank starts to have a liquidity problem. Uh, and a, where they can't really cover their deposits. Now, as long as nobody realizes this, it's fine. As long as nobody understands that this bank is in trouble, they're fine. Because it's all unrealized losses. They haven't actually sold it yet. They can bank on Jerome Powell reversing course, or at least wanting to. And maybe their interest rates go back down uh, so that they don't, so that their securities are more valuable and that they don't have as many losses. Problem is, is Jerome Powell never did, never reversed course. They're holding all these now bad assets because nobody wants them. You're not, you, there's no way you would purchase a treasury bond with a 1% yield when you could purchase a treasury bond with 4.5% yield. Because you're getting more of your money back. Why would you're trying to loan money out to the government for a bigger return? Why in the world would you ever want one and a half percent yield? It makes finance 101. You want more return for the money you've lent out, right? That's easy. Makes perfect sense. Yes. To cover, to start to cover these losses, there's a couple things that banks can do. So the executives at the bank own stock. And in February and March, leading up to last Friday, the executives start to sell the to sell their stock. And this is a, an immediate sign to investor investors that Silicon Valley Bank is in serious trouble. They're having a liquidity problem. They if they're starting to approach where they they do not have enough capital to be able to cover deposits. They can't sell off uh, their securities because they're hoping that they can realize them later. They don't have enough on hand because they've loaned out too much. It's already sitting in other banks' deposits. They can't cover their own. So there starts to be a run on the bank. Investors start to pull their money out. And this leads all the way up to last Thursday. And we get an old-fashioned run on the bank they start to have to sell off these securities because they have no they have no choice. They have to sell these at a discount, a gigantic loss to start to cover the, the these people that are returning, these clients that are returning to get to pull their money out before they have nothing left. And that is where we are now. So 
thir- uh, Friday, the bank shuts down. They had about, like I said, they had 40 trill- uh, trillion, Jesus Christ, imagine. Uh, they I had- would. <laughs> yeah, that'd be way, be way, 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 way. I would not be here. I would not be here. I would not be there. I would not be any fucking way. Right, exactly. <laughs> so I would be going to reclaim fucking the highlands. Yeah, exactly. So they had to realize $42 trillion and pay that out as deposits. They had to pay, try to pay that out to their the people that have bank, bank uh, accounts at Silicon Valley Bank. They sold 40, uh, 42 billion. So 42 billion versus 40. On Friday, they announced they had sold off their securities at a total of a $2 billion loss. They probably called in some favors and reduce it down to 2 billion. And then at that point, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation seized Silicon Valley Bank. You know what just hit me? Hmm. Imagine how Wall Street's feeling right now. <laughs> we'll get there. That, that'll come I'm, later. I, I'm talking about, like, anyone who's done any form of, like, stocks managing, like, all that shit. They're, they're looking, they're either panicking, shitting themselves. Yep. Or, uh, will be dearly missed. Exactly. So, on Friday, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, or actually, technically, the California variant of it, I can't remember the name right now, they seize Silicon Valley Bank, and all operations immediately halt there. And this causes giant ripple effects. Uh, a bunch of companies can't pay their payroll. A, a bunch of crap goes on. And what this highlights is there are a lot of banks in the system that have ton of unrealized losses on treasury bills, right? And so with that, a bunch of banks start panicking. They start assessing their balance sheets. And then Saturday, uh, uh, what's the other one? Second? God damn it. What's the other one that I said? Whose name I'm now forgetting because I'm terrible at this. Uh, Silicon Valley Silicon. Uh, signature signature yeah signature bank fails for the for similar problems they have a ton of unrealized uh, gain investors panic realize their this bank is similar there's a run on this bank and the FDIC seizes this one too or the the New York counterpart now this part is where you may have heard. Bailout questions. Um, after 2008, a bunch of banks got bailed out. This is not quite the same thing. So the FDIC announced uh, a bank funding term program for all deposits, much insured and uninsured. Now, the thing to recognize with Silicon Valley Bank is these are not typical normal people. Yeah. These are tech startup people. They're really rich. They've got a ton of money and they have gigantic accounts we're not talking you know if you've ever opened a bank account all of your money is insured with the federal deposit insurance corporation fdic up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. right you've heard this before yes yeah uh, everybody that's opened a bank account should have or excuse me should recognize fdic with silicon valley bank and signature they have very high money client clientele or money clientele excuse me so, what this means is a ton of their deposits were not insured by the FDIC. 
because their bank account balances are significantly higher than $250,000. And what this means in real percentage terms is 88% of the deposits at Silicon Valley Bank were uninsured. They could have lost it all. And what the Federal Reserve did was announce the new bank funding term program, and they bailed out the depositors, essentially. And uh, they announced a $250 billion program that's going to immediately be available for this new bank that the FDIC created after seizing these two to bail out the depositors. So they will not lose any money on this. Now, what's different from 2008 about that is it wasn't literally the banks being bailed out. Like the, the bank's coffers weren't being refilled on lost money. The depositors are, which may or may not include other banks. <laughs> so, I, I y'all can't y'all can't hear it, but there is a side eye going on so hard right now. <laughs> yeah, does make sense here? Yep. Now, of course, we're bailing out all the rich people still because it's like I say, it's te it's tech startup people, right? Yeah, it, all these people have a bunch of money now. It does kind of suck because a lot of people use this bank as a depository for payroll. Yeah. Like a lot of tech startups use this for payroll. Oh, I'm, I'm going to say this just as a side, as a whole aside thing. Yeah. But for, for those people who have the idea, oh, well, this is why we should tax the rich more, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. The reason that the whole tax the rich situation doesn't work is because their money is not actually coming in. Yeah. It's not liquid. It's, it's, no, it's it's yeah exactly they either have it in some form of um estate they have it in some form of physical something that cannot be converted to currency easily therefore you cannot just go well this guy's holding a small loan of a million dollars for you know these five families that can get them through the year right exactly uh, that's just otherwise I, i'm sorry elon musk wouldn't fucking mr beast would right. be giving all his fucking money away if, yeah, if that was the case, but instead he's using his money with to fund to get more to fund shit to fund efforts to give people shit and get more money to give more people more shit. Right, exactly. Which is why we don't tax Mr. Beast. Which is why we don't tax uh, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, uh, so on and so forth. You, you Steve Jobs, rest in peace. You know, think the names, whatever. And even if you, uh, even if you, even if the feds. The, the government seized the asset of every billionaire in the United States, it still wouldn't fund all of our debt. Yeah, and there's then a, there's you not have that many and then you can't tax them. There's not that many billionaires. Yeah. And then even if you added the millionaires on top of it, it still it, wouldn't make it's enough such a of a small debt. percentage of people. And it's even though it's a large amount of the the capital in the United States. Right. We're talking United States debt that's everywhere because all banks are connected. Right, exactly. Every single bank is connected. The Federal Reserve of the United States is con is connected to the Federal Reserve in fucking Russia, in China, in Japan, and they all and call it different whatever. They, they all call, call it different, different shits, but it's all this. It's all the same. It's thing. all a central bank. Yeah, yeah. They provide liquidity to each other. They have fractional reserve banking with each other. Exactly. Which is why we. Which is why wartime shit is so fucking stupid to me. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah okay Let, let's be honest about it the german economy i'm gonna give hitler a fraction of a cookie for a moment okay 
still a deplorable human being. Of course. That goes without saying. Yeah. He revitalized the German economy after World War I by making it a wartime effort right. solo economy. If every country were to do that, we'd all die. Nobody, one, nobody one, we'd all making, die. And nobody would be making, like, food. Nobody would be making <laughs> Well, yeah, nobody would be making food and we'd all die because we'd be focusing more on the industry. However, if we were to take that and instead of making it a war effort-based situation, we make it scientifically based. Right. Suddenly, it's less war shit and it's more like production. More it's productive less things. It's we take that it's the basis of the wartime effort, right? Right. We put that into into the sciences, into education. One, the the general populace is going to be more well educated and better off for it, and much better off for it. You get an explosion of of innovation. You get so on and so forth. Yeah. Number two, we get answers to questions that are unfathomable at the moment. For example, we don't have a cure to cancer. We have a way to stave it off. Allegedly. Allegedly. It depends who you believe. It depends. Yeah, absolutely. We're not, that, that, that's a conspiracy that's, theories episode that we still need to do. Yeah, that I keep reminding you of, and you're like, we'll get to it. Motherfucker. It's true. We will get to us. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> episode 50 special. You're right. Episode 50. Well, well, you've just spoken into existence. Episode 54 hour special on Jewish space lasers and cancer cures. <laughs> um, no, you know what? It's going to be episode 51. You. <laughs> Area 51. Uh, well, actually. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Buddy, buddy. Fucking, if we were. Then we got to get back. Yeah. No, no, no. But this is feeding into. Yeah, yeah. So if we take those, we revitalize every economy on the world. So we have, say, the more rural areas where they have better soil. We make those into like, oh, these are going to be higher income areas, not higher income areas, but higher production areas for food, right? We have these areas of the plains. Okay, these are going to be better to hold livestock. We have industrial areas. We make every different area good for what its own thing is going to do, right? Right. Obviously, we have the woods in the north. Those are going to be our lumber mills. We have oil derricks in the middle, uh, central, eastern United States. We have fucking, you know, whatever we need. Right, we right, can, right. The United States itself can be pretty fucking self-sufficient in that instance. Right, exactly. Other countries can't. So if we were to just, for but a moment, put, <laughs> put fucking greed and bullshit aside and just go back to, ah, you have goods we need we have goods we need. Let's trade. And then make our economy based off of the general wellness of people. The collapse that's going on right now wouldn't happen. Uh, in theory. Right. Yeah, in, in theory. theory. In practice, people are fucking greedy and will be like, ah, but I want three sheep for my cow. <laughs> Motherfucker. Right. All right. So... But no, instead, everything costs money, and the cost of the dollar is going down, the cost of yen is going down, the cost of fucking everything is going down. No, I wish the cost was going down. The problem is the cost of value. The value. The value of all of our currency is going down, which means the cost of everything's going up, and so on. Yeah, yeah. everything is everything is fucking exploding, because it's no longer... This is not just a United States issue. This is a worldwide issue. Exactly. Because, as I said, all banks are connected. Fractional reserve banking. Exactly. Yeah. So the only way to resolve this is, one, drop the system, re-innovate it, bring it back, right. which is way too fucking risky. And it, it's not just risky. I mean, it, w it would collapse the global 
it would collapse the global economy. It would Absolutely. be so much worse than it, it would be. Experience. It would be worse before it got better. It'd be fucking way worse. No, I'm and I'm aware of that, which is why I brought up the the options that I brought up earlier, which is instead of focusing everything on capitalism, on socialism, on focus it on industrialism again. Right. Because we had our biggest boom of technology at that point. There used to be a way where people could get vaccinations without needles. It was an airburst of vaccine that popped directly through your skin and you were vaccinated. That was it. 20 second adventure in and out and you're done. What happens if we bring, if we bring technology back and innovate that again? Because that was a thing in the sixties. Right. And I mean, we even had that in the late nineties, but it was, it was a bubble. It was a, it was yeah. a fake boom. Yeah. And again, fractional reserve banking was the problem. Yeah. Again, if we get, if we were to filter out fractional reserve banking little by little, focus on industrialization, not just on a, not just on a political scale of country to country, but globally speaking. Right. And then filter back in currency. Maybe that not has actual value. That has actual value. Maybe not the gold standard again, because the gold standards where we're fucking failing right now. Uh, well, that's, Again, we're on a fiat fractional system. Anyway, that's yeah. a totally different system. Uh, either way. We no longer... We have paper that's supposed to be similar value to gold, is what I'm saying. Uh, Which that, is, well, that is the gold standard. We don't yeah, have Exactly. We haven't had that in 50 years. Look how well that's gone. Yeah. <laughs> we should just make everything trade-based and then start filtering in a global... A global-used currency rather than having however many fucking currencies we have now. A lot. Anyway. One for every country. 195. Right. All right. Um, back to the issue at hand. So uh, we left off. We went on a tangent. We went, we went on a tangent. Uh, we but, were, but a valid tangent. Yes. We were uh, a, signature, a signature bank seized. Yes. All right. So come Monday... Stock market panics. A bunch of uh, a bunch of banks uh, have similar kinds of issues. Um, uh, First Republic Bank shares drop like sixty percent. Uh, regional banks come under scrutiny, so on and so forth. Nothing has really happened with ev- with anything yet, and it's it's Wednesday night as we sit here. So, all that said, the fallout is essentially um, depositors have been bailed out. So all everybody that was depositors at Silicon Valley and Signature Bank all have access to their funds. It, uh, it has a certain time frame that it can be pulled out and deposited with other banks. So J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, it's all kind of been pushed into bigger banks, unfortunately. And I can't believe I'm about to say this, but, and you know me, this is going to be like shocking for me not to say this. If you, if anything happens, you want to put your money in big banks. Because they're the safest in terms of failing. This is a fucking imposter. This is not Kirk. This is not Kirk Sullivan. I'm just being honest. I don't like it. But if you want your money to be safe, like the Federal Reserve cannot let Bank of America fail. And they've said as much. And there's 
30 or so banks that the Federal Reserve has deemed too big to fail. J.P. Morgan Chase, Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, Credit Suisse, which we'll get to in a second. They've all been deemed too big to fail. If something serious goes down, I'm not saying pull out all your money just yet. Things could go better. I'm saying pull all your money because it's the safest bet. Sure. To If you want to stem your losses, your safest bet is in a bank that the Fed has said it will not allow it to fail. We may get hyperinflation because... Uh, there's a, a massive loss in the entire banking sector, and there has to be bank bailouts again. Whether they allow it or not is a totally different subject. But the safest bet, as much as it sucks, is put your money in Chase, Bank of America, uh, the biggest bank that's near you. And I don't like it. I would much rather there be a lot of a lot. More local, smaller banks that have an ATM system that you can still get your money from and so on and so forth. But unfortunately, those are going to be the ones that are allowed to fail. And if your thing fails, sure, the FDIC will cover your your money. It might take a while if there's a system-wide banking collapse because the FDIC is a government institution and by default suck. It may take a while for you to get your money. and. If there's banking failures, a system-wide collapse, there's a lot of cross-party risk. There's a lot of banks that have auto loans with other banks. Those fail. A lot of people lose a bunch of money. All that being said, I do mean it as much as I don't like saying it. Put your money with a bank that has been deemed too big to fail. Man, I hate saying that. The concept, the concept of too big to fail is bullshit in the first place. But yeah, you want the concept of uh, privatized lo- uh, privatized gains, socialized losses. I fucking hate. Yeah, I, I hate the concept. Uh, okay, I hate the concept of socialism. I hate the concept yeah. of communism. Right. I hate the concept of capitalism. I hate the con the concept of corporatism. I hate the concept like, of uh, government. Yes. And this system is so much closer to Mussolini fascism than it uh, yeah. yeah. Like, that has deemed supposedly private institutions. They're not really. Like, I'm sorry. Uh, the, the New York Fed has the CEO of JP, of JP Morgan Chase on its board. Yep. Like privatized my ass. Yeah, private, quote unquote. But their gains are all privatized. But then the gains are they get bailed out when something goes wrong. The gains are privatized because they don't want the the population to do one of two things. One, oh, this bank is they want the, the populace to think this bank is making a lot of money when in actuality the bank is doing It's all fake. It's it's all fucking the money off. It's all it's all fake. It's it's all we're all in debt. We are all indebted. What's the United States? How far? How deep are we in debt? Thirty-one billion. Yeah, thirty-one trillion dollars. It's something like twenty thousand dollars per taxpayer. You got you got a casual twenty-two thousand dollars lying around. If I had twenty-two thousand dollars, we wouldn't have only had four McChickens on the way here. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you ever want to look at the debt numbers, by the way, the debt clock is. The uh, U.S. national debt clock. It tells you the debt numbers in real time. 
heard that the whole fucking planet was in... Oh, 31 and a half trillion. I lied to you. Oh my god. I heard that the whole fucking planet was in, like, it's over 100 to 150 trillion. A whole planet. And that's just what we know. What the fuck are we in debt to? The Martians? Each other. The Martians? Each other. Oh. Is there folk that are running this? Yes. Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, we, Whoever we, you imposters are, please. We, we can do that eventually. We can do a whole net episode. But yeah, essentially... That was a peek into the conspiracy theory episode, by the way. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it's something like $150 trillion to each other. And then if you put in unfunded liabilities, yeah, it may be closer to a quadrillion. We don't know. Fun, right? All right. You know, back in my day, I didn't have to worry about this shit. Yeah. Don't you all want to go back to 2004 when we were all seven years old? <laughs> all right. Now, um... I, I want to kind of, I want to kind of talk about what to look for. Um, Wait, 2004. We were six. I was seven. I was born in '97. I was born in '98. Oh, hold on. All right. Ah, old. <laughs> <laughs> you're only you're younger. Ah, old fuck. <laughs> All right. So I, I want to talk about what people should look for. And first and foremost, until funnily enough, a week from now. The federal the the Federal Reserve Open Market Committee meets. They are the ones that decide the federal funds rate, the rate at which banks loan to each other. If the Fed increases rates, which they can't, right? It is completely off the. If they do it, they are saying we are going to allow a economic collapse to happen because they, they there's a bunch of people with unrealized losses. They uh, all the investors know it by now. After bank collapses, they cannot allow the securities to stay and just lose them a bunch of money. You really expect the banks to do something good for the common man? I I, I no. What I'm saying so, is they're going to probably raise that shit. And y'all remember how I said at the top of the episode, get a gun for yourself. I'm saying they won't do that because as soon as they do that. The politicians, the Federal Reserve, Board of Governors, they all lose their lobbying money. They lose all their kickbacks, everything. They lose their kickbacks, they lose their money. If they raise their rates, and I'm calling it now, there will be a system-wide banking collapse. It can't hold. There will be two, there will be enough run on the banks that there will be a banking collapse or there will be a national bank holiday where they, across the United States, halt all banking transactions. And it comes from the president himself. That's doomsday scenario. And if Jerome Powell comes out of the Federal Open Market Commission meeting, a committee meeting, and says we're raising by even 0.5 basis points, there will be a run on the banks. I'm calling it now. There will be, unless, and I can't prove this, unless Jerome Powell calls friends in media and across the banks. And issues a de facto banking holiday. Think of it if you're an investor, right? The Fed has said they're going to keep raising rates to cool off inflation. If you've purchased a bunch of treasuries at 1.5% and it starts to get to 5, 6, 7%, and you have to sell those off at a tenth of what they used to cost, you're never doing that. Nope. That's 
ton of lost money. So they will say, okay, even with this, the Fed is not going to reverse course. We have to pull our money now or we will wait, we will lose even more. And then all investors do it. It causes a bunch of defaults and we're in economic collapse. Yep. That is doomsday scenario. Which, as I said in the car, I'm glad I pulled all my money like two, two, three years ago. Yeah. So this is number one, is pay attention to what Jerome Powell says uh, in the Federal Open Market Committee. They're the ones that decide interest rates already set that. If they only raise it a little bit, like point, like like point two five of a percent or twenty five basis points. Now, basis points is percentage. Yeah, it's a, a hundredth of a percent if you're looking at the decimal. Yes, exactly. So, if they raise it twenty five basis points, it's point two five percent. Yes, yeah. Should have said that earlier. But yeah. Well, anyway. now, well, if you don't know, now you know, listener. All right, that's scenario number one on on next Wednesday, which, by the way, is my birthday. <laughs> We could get like the biggest financial news of our time on my birthday. <laughs> um, scenario number two is they only raise it a little bit or not at all. And if they don't raise it, uh, there won't be a run on the banks. At least I really don't think so. There could still be if there's, um, if there's news worldwide of serious problems. And there starts to be a run on national bank on national banks that fail, like big ones in other countries, Credit Suisse, Deutsche Bank, so on and so forth. There might be that is still on the table, even if Jerome Powell doesn't raise the the chairman of the Federal Reserve does not raise rates or only raises it twenty five basis points, which is a quarter of a percent, which is nothing. The third option, which is looking more and more likely, but they really can't do it, is if they cut interest rates again. Or the cut the Fed funds rate again, and the reason they can't do that is because once they start cutting the Fed funds rate, that's when capital becomes cheaper, and as more and more currency circulates, we've already said that's inflation. So the three options are: complete recession, total banking collapse, we enter a period of almost no economic growth. There's there's a giant restructuring of all debt, which is what should happen but won't. Uh, to fix this whole thing, and there's going to be a lot of pain involved. That's number one. Number two is we slow growth. We still have high inflation, but there's no banking collapse. And then option number three is uh, interest rates go back down, not to like zero. It'd probably go to like four. We're at like 4.5, 4.75 Fed funds right now. It, they'd probably cut it like 50 to 75 basis points. And we would start to get more inflation because more money is circulating through the system. So those are the three options that are that are coming on March 22nd. 21 or 22nd. We don't know the... I think it's the 22nd. I'm going to throw out there. Oh, yeah. Cost of living is... Uh, and that's, that's what inflation is. Yeah, I know. But, but living in California, cost of living totally isn't already bad enough. Yeah, exactly. We can't imagine it's any better in Florida, New York, Hawaii... Now, in the meantime, there are a couple things that you need to look for. So there's a handful of institutions that you that everybody needs to be paying attention to. And these are the ones that I've been paying attention to for the last three days. And it stems from the credit raters. 
Moody's Investor Service, Standard & Poor's, so on and so forth. They have put uh, six institutions on downgrade watch. And what that means is these are institutions that all have similar problems that are regional banks to Signature Valley, or excuse me, to Signature Bank and Silicon Valley Bank, right? Downgrade meaning they're going to downgrade how good they think these banks are in terms of financial health. And the six, and I'm going to add a few more that you need to be paying attention to are First Republic. This is the one I mentioned earlier because they're in serious trouble too. They have similar problems. Entrust Financial, UMB, Zion's Bank Corp, Western Alliance Corporation, and Comerica. Those are the main six that you need to be paying attention to. Search those names and type news. As soon as you see news that says stock sell-off, pull your money out. Then and there, as soon as you read those that news, pull your money out, put it in a credit union, whatever. As soon as you see that, what that means is all of these banks are selling off stock because they do not have sufficient reserves. And that means they cannot handle customer deposits. As soon as investors see that, they will pull their money out because they can't handle the losses, like I said earlier. Um, Credit Suisse, we've mentioned them earlier. Today, tonight, actually, as we're recording this, just about an hour and a half ago, the the Swiss National Bank offered a $54 billion loan to shore up their liquidity. They're facing serious problems, too. So Credit Suisse is another one. That's the seventh you need to be paying attention to. And then the eighth and final, you need to be paying attention to Truist Financial, T-R-U-I-S-T. So those are the eight. As soon as you start to see stock sell-off, as soon as you start to see that they're selling treasuries, then you can just, just search news. The, the the news is doing their job. They'll tell you. And do you that's the news to do their job? But, I mean, all, all. They'll, like, pay attention to as many sources as you want. Just, just not CNN. Or Fox, for that matter. Yep. All right. So those are what to look for. The The signs to look for is the same thing that Silicon Valley Bank had. A lot of their executives sold off the stock that they owned in the banks they oversaw, which, by the way, is crazy, first off. The fact that you can influence your own stock price of the thing you own by buying or selling. Say what you want. That's nuts. When you see that, they're trying to shore up their reserves. If they start to sell off, they start to realize their losses, it's in deep shit. Yep. Those are the things to look for. All right. I haven't asked you in a while if all that was right. I caught it? Yeah. Hopefully uh, hopefully people caught it too. I, I caught it. It's it, I caught it enough to make some conversation with, therein. Right. It, it, basically, if the, the, the bar I'm going for is I can have a conversation with it, then it's fine. Right. But I, I'm not going to lie, it's worrying. It, yeah. This is why I've been paying very close attention. I mean, ask him. In our group chat, I've been oh, updating y'all about this for the last three days. The, it, it's four days. Yeah. It, it's been four days that this fucker has gone in there and I've come back to... Like, I, I was in the shower at one point. Shut my phone, played music, came back. I, I had to shut off my notifications for this fucker, number one. Number two, I open the fucking thing and I come back to a wall of text with 
uh, maybe a grand total of 20 messages between anyone else. Except yeah. him. Yeah. Right. Now, here's the thing, which I'm not complaining about. Right. Because it, at least we're well informed then. Right. But exactly. Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah, it was a lot. All right. Now, um, a couple miscellaneous things. I know we've already gone fairly long. Uh, I, th- I was trying to keep it under an hour. That was not going to happen. I told you. I told you. Four hours <laughs> special. <laughs> that was not four going to happen. Four hours special. Now, uh, a couple miscellaneous things. Um, regarding FDIC specifically, they if there is a system-wide default, meaning depositors can't uh, depositories can't meet the demand. Yes, the FDIC cannot insure all of it. There's about nine trillion dollars in assets, depending on who you ask. They have about I think it was 120 something billion. Which is 1.27 ish percent of all deposits. They can't cover it all. It's they literally don't have the money. <laughs> it does not exist. So with 100 billion or so, and this funding program that the Fed started, they have around 400 billion ish dollars in liquidity that they can try to separate around these banks. Now they had to dole out around 200 ish billion, and then I think. Uh, uh, 80 billion or 100 billion or so for signature. That's already over half just on these two banks. If more go, there will be Federal Reserve quantitative easing in the system, which means more inflation. Yeah. They, they're they going to do this. They're like, listen to me carefully. The politicians and the Federal Reserve cannot allow. As much as they should, they cannot allow full ep- economic collapse. They will try for what's called a soft landing, where, yeah, there's maybe there's some bank failures, there's some issues along the way, but they they cannot allow full-on collapse. It's just they can't do it, which is why I don't think they're going to allow it. I really don't. I would be horrifically shocked if they allowed it. But arguably, wouldn't it be for the better? It it would be for the better, not in the short term. In the long term. In the long term, it would be for in, the better. In the long term, and again, this is no longer a United States-based issue. This is a worldwide issue. Yeah. That we're just now feeling in the United States, by the way. It's been felt in other countries for a long while. Yep. It's scary, dude. It really is. You know, this This reminds me of a joke I heard a while ago. If Earth is the fir- the third planet from the sun, aren't we all in third world countries? Ah, but I'm... ah, but uh, this is might actually make us all third world countries. Yeah. So for now, things are all right. For now. So that's the thing. Pay attention in the next week to those th- to those eight that I mentioned. Um, I think for now, because. The uh, Swiss National Bank shored up the liquidity for Credit Suisse. If Deutsche starts to go, the European uh, National Bank will probably do the same thing. Um, is, they, they, they will. They're going to have to. You're going to have to. But Matter of fact, they're probably going to get a call from the Fed and say, do it. Um, the Fed is short for Federal Reserve, by the way. I hope that was clear. That should be obvious. Yep. 
Um, I don't think for the moment, because regulators, like investors will see that regulators are stepping in and kind of breathe a sigh of relief. And the, remember earlier, I said the whole thing with fractional reserve banking, as long as not everybody pulls all their money out at once, the system works fine. It's they're trying to prevent a run on the banks because of bad yields. If they can void that, the system will continue as is. Okay, so here's the plan. Us at, uh, fuck, what do we call ourselves? LLC, co, <laughs> whatever, whatever. Uh, so, so we're going to pull our money first. Then you, our listeners, pull your money. Then you tell your friends and we'll have a ripple effect. Everyone will pull their money. Right. And, uh, we'll be safe. Oh, pull your money and buy cigarettes. That <laughs> here's what honestly, it's not a bad idea. The first off. None of this is financial advice. No, we probably oh, should have. We probably should have said this at the it, start. It's, it's not financial advice. I'm I'm cracking jokes, but at the same time, they're not bad plans. Right now, the the big thing with this is technology could actually make this very very quick because bank runs used to be literally over weeks because you know people can't get to the bank. It's you have to go to the bank actually. Yeah. Now. We all have ATMs everywhere. We have mobile, what have you. We can all pull it out for fairly instantaneously. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be very quick. That's the thing is if shit goes wrong, it's going to go quick. Like within a day. Yep. Maybe two. Yep. So. So. Don't, uh, I'm, I'm going to say don't. You don't need to pull all your money out yet. Obviously, you do what's best for you. If your invest, if your bank is in one of these, be very worried. First off, if you have any accounts that use these guys as either as an intermediary or as holding for loans, be very worried about it. Pay very close attention. Right now, I don't think you need to do anything. Right, except now. go buy a gun in the event shit hits the fan. Except buy a gun. That that is financial advice. That's, no, it's that's, not. It, it's financial advice and it's safety advice. No, we'll go to prison. No, no. So why would we go to prison for saying that we want our listeners? We're saying if this is financial advice, we're saying that we have the, all the licensure for giving financial advice. And you're right. Okay, exactly. This is not financial advice. It's yes. a very. It's a very heavily. It's a suggestion. Yeah, it, it's a very well educated suggestion. Go buy a gun to fucking protect yourself, please. Yeah. In the event shit hits the fan, you will need it. I, on the other hand, will be jerry-rigging a flamethrower, and I'll, I'm about to kick this shit back to Vietnam. <laughs> so, all I need is a leaf blower and a gas can. Alright, I've given my predictions of what could happen. Uh, everybody's eyes in the world will be on the Federal Reserve Um Next next Wednesday, you know damn well I'll be paying attention. There, honestly, the I should already be there. Yeah, the no, they're definitely there. I'm still paying attention to. No, I mean worldwide. Oh yeah, the eyes are the eyes of there. the world will be paying attention to what Jerome Powell says on Wednesday, and I hope I hope he says the right thing. I know it's a long shot. Yeah, it's a long shot that he says the right thing, and he goes, "We're going to allow a total collapse." But it would be the correct thing to do. Yeah. 
And I, guys, I, and I, I do mean this. I know that sounds crazy. It's going to be a lot of pain. People are going to lose their jobs. People are going to lose their houses. People are going to lose a lot. And I don't say that at all lightly. I mean that very literally. We saw this in 2008. A lot of people, a lot of banks with cross-party risk, the values on them started to go. People got thrown out of their houses. I, I get it. We're going to default. The United States is going to default. This entire economy is built on quicksand. We have how many ever trillion in debt? 31.5. Uh, 30, it was like 31.6 or whatever. 31.5, 31.6. It, it don't matter. It's all fucked. A lot. We can't have high interest rates forever. We can't print money forever. Ask Zimbabwe. Ask Germany. It can't happen. That's hyperinflation. I, mean, I guess it can. It is an option. It's a really bad one, but it is an option. It's, it's the option that most likely re leads to riots. Yes. And yeah. as soon as people can't pay for the most basic shit, we're already struggling now. Credit, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but like credit, uh, credit card debt is the highest it's ever been. It's fucking up I think up it's there. up to like three, almost $300 billion it just in credit card debt. Fucking up there. Yeah. So like with $30 trillion debts, right? If you have, percent interest payments on the debt. That's $3 trillion in interest payments. To keep that in mind, that is the entirety of the revenue of the government last year. Yeah. And that's just in interest payments. Forget the military, forget Social Security, Medicare, whatever. Actually, thank that's you for mentioning the military. Just interest payments. Thank you for mentioning the military. I have a, a way that might be a short term, you know. All, all of our bases and stop spending so much fucking money on the military. Stop spending a lot. It's not nearly not, a trillion dollars just on the military for the United States. I'm not saying don't. I'm not saying pull all our bases. And all I am. Shit. Here's why. There are as many as physically possible. There are states that that lean on the United States military as a form of law and order. I know. I get it. I it's either that or we keep spending a bunch of money on a bunch of shit. We don't need to further advance because there's no wars we're fighting right now. Well, allegedly. Allegedly. Realistically, we're not declared war on it. Yes, we we don't have a declared war with any nation. But we have we have a we have shadow wars going on. Yes, exactly. Out out the ass right now. Absolutely. Look Somalia, at you. Somalia, Egypt, Ukraine. Ukraine, Ukraine is the big one. Ukraine's right. the big one. Um but uh, Pakistan. Uh, Pakistan was never shadow. Well, yeah, no, it was. Pakistan it was, was an outright fucking... drone program. Ex yeah, yeah. Iraq was the same thing. Iran well, was the one, same Ar thing. Iraq... Afghanistan was the same thing. It was a war on terrorism. Right. It, yeah. It, we tons of money spent there. And yeah. By the way, uh, that helped pave the way for two thousand eight. Yeah. You put you put really low interest rates so that we don't have to yeah. add a whole bunch of interest payments to the debt. We essentially let the credit card run. And then you start to have to raise them eventually because inflation and and it collapses. And then you get because the weight gets yeah. too heavy and everything fucking falls under it. Here's a really good way. When your entire economy is based on debt, when the debt gets more expensive, shit collapses. Yep. That that's that that is as base that is actually literally as basic as I can go. 
So like when I said 10%, when you have too many Legos, you can't keep building. That's exactly. Now, our interest rates right now should be north of 20%. It can't be that. That's a fifth of our national debt on interest payments alone. That's not feasible. It's not feasible. It's not possible. This is, and this is where I, what I was saying earlier. The United States will default. It's going to default eventually. We cannot pay the debt back. We never will be able to. We haven't been able to pay it back for a long time. We can barely service the debt, meaning just pay the interest payments right now. We can't pay it. We're going to default eventually. But just how long do we keep it off? That's that's the question. Not long. Wow, this really... Dark turn, <laughs> my brother. Yeah, it's it scary. Was always, it was always gonna happen. Yeah, it's always so, gonna happen. The only way that we don't is if we start talking about this shit like it's My Little Pony. It's, like honestly, we, we we have to drastically cut off spending, and a lot of people aren't gonna like it. It means taking a look at entitlements. It means uh, Social Security, Medicare. Yep. It means taking a look at military spending. It means a lot of waste and fraud. It means. Looking at the Federal Reserve and how they print money and devalue our dollar. It means all that. And it's not going to be fun, but that's what it means. It's not going to be fun. It's going to be dire for a lot of people. There will be serious economic pain and real life pain. There will be a lot of social and financial casualty to this. Absolutely. Maybe even literally. Yeah. No, not maybe. There will be actual casualty to yes. this. But and this I don't is- mean like civil war, although I guess that is... That's theoretically possible. That, not theoretically. That's ew. people invaded the White House because one fucking annoying <laughs> orange, one annoying orange, didn't get put back in. That's an insult to annoying orange. Fuck! <laughs> I found a way to insult annoying orange. Jesus, yeah, that's Christ. hard. That's hard. Uh, you know, but but this is fucking. People invaded the White House over a. I'm gonna put heavy fucking quotes on this. Valid count. Right. What makes you think they won't invade banks, invade fucking anything where there's yeah. any kind of money, invade grocery stores? There's going to be riots. There's going to be. Yep. There's going to be things lost. There's going to be people lost to this. That's Absolutely. why. That's why my advice is still get a gun. And this is. And this is also why I'm saying that the politicians won't allow it. They can't. The politicians won't allow it, but. The alternative, going to. the alternative is still going to be riots. What I what I want to see uh, is I want to see a politician, which <laughs> it's never should happen because they're politicians. True. I want a politician to stand up and be like, "Look, this is not going to make me popular. This is not going to win me elections. I'm not going to get donor money from this. A lot of people are going to hate what I'm about to say. But the United States needs to have a not just a recession, a depression." And I know that that means I'm going to be okay with this. I make a lot of money. I've got good uh, stuff. I can try to help people as much as I can. But it is we are going to default and it's going to be bad. And the longer we persist this fucking system, that's... I mean, a house of cards is almost generous, to call it. it we are building bridges out of toothpicks. Yeah, and that's an insult to toothpicks. <laughs> yeah. Literally, Soggy toothpicks. Literally. There you go. This, this run on deposits on on uh, Silicon Valley was $42 billion, and they didn't have enough to cover that. 
That's out of two hundred twenty trillion in total assets. Just think about that's the total customer deposits. They didn't have enough on reserves for forty two. That's what a sixth, right? Mm. No, fourth, fifth. No, that's a fifth. Yeah, that's about a fifth. It's just it's it's, it's like a fifth of all people like, in the United States. It's like twenty two point seven percent. Yeah, think of it this way: you don't even need to have half of the people in the United States. Draw their money out at once. You need a fifth. Yeah. Fifth. To draw all their money out at once and the whole thing goes down. And there's going to be a lot more than a fifth if shit goes wrong. <laughs> when shit goes wrong. Well, it still, it still might not. No. I don't trust No, I mean, in the short term. In the short term, I mean. I do not trust the government. I do not trust the federal the Federal Reserve to get this any form of correct. I don't either. I don't. Shit will hit the fan. And when we get rednecks that are running to the bank going, where's my goddamn dollar? With shotguns. With, with the, and AR-15s and what have you. Yeah. Billy from Tennessee, age 32. We get it. You want your dollar. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Jesus Christ. I think that's it. Bottom line, go get that gun. Go to Arizona, because if you go to California and you get it, good luck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, I wanted to... Um, should I? There's the, the whole Dodd-Frank thing that everybody's complaining about, that the, the deregulation caused it, whatever. Like, all right, maybe. You know, let's do it. Touch on it. Yeah. All right. So there was a thing that happened in, under the Trump administration in 2018 that repealed some parts of Dodd-Frank, and it was some of it was reporting standards for um, small and mid-sized banks. It, people might not know what Dodd-Frank is. So it, it's the uh, it was uh, it's the Dodd-Frank Consumer Protection Act, I think is what it, the full name was. It was in 2010 to respond to uh, the 2008. 2008 housing recession. How they collapse, stock market collapse, so on and so forth. Yeah. Because of a bunch of risky investments. Holy mm -hmm. shit. Almost like what's happening. Almost like the fucking economy is built on quicksand and it's happening again. It's almost like people don't learn from history and fix their shit. Yeah. And what what the Dodd-Frank Act, what its stated goal was was to address uh regulatory concerns over large banks so that they couldn't make these risky things. What it actually ended up doing was causing a two-tiered banking system where the large banks could afford a bunch of compliance lawyers for all the new rules that were starting and get regulatory capture over their industry. Small and mid-sized banks couldn't. So they uh, they get these really strict standards and however you feel about what their how they should be regulated and managed, whatever. It made a two-tiered system. All these big banks can afford compliance lawyers. They can hire a bunch more people. Your your local credit union can't do that. They can try. And they're going to go under because they can't afford $50 million a year in legal expenses like JP Morgan Chase can. So say what you want about how banks should be regulated. That's what it did. Go look it up. We, in the year 2000, there were 8,000 banks. In 2014, there were, excuse me, there were 8,000 small banks. In 2014, there were 5,000. It's only gotten worse. Sorry, it's the truth. 
don't apologize for telling the truth. And so what in 2018, the part of the rollback of Dodd-Frank, and by the way, it left a lot in place. I didn't even touch on the Basel III rules. That shit's crazy. But yeah, that we can do later. That we can do later. Because um, I'm sure we'll have another emergency episode next week. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> which, which, if it comes, if suddenly Miles, who isn't here. Yeah, exactly. Lazy ass. Uh, shows up for that one. He's going to be, I hope he did his uh, fucking, I hope he studied. Yeah, exactly. This will be on the test, kid. <laughs> this will be on the test, kiddo. Uh, so what 2018 did was rolled some of that back and cha- and lessened a lot of the reporting standards. You can think that's a good lessened. Well, it did. Like it, 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 re- it uh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, it raised some of the reporting, uh, like, uh, either. Uh, whatever you think works. He's pouring me a drink, by the way. Yep. I was <laughs> asking which drink he wanted between Kraken and Soko, and he said either. I said pick. He said dealer's choice, which, to be fair, I did to him the other day. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, what's that? Like, it, it raised, um, it raised the threshold of what's called systemically important financial institution or SIFI. The the threshold, which they're they're just, they're subject to more stringent reporting to whomever to the Fed. They're subject to stress tests, meaning we're going to put a whole bunch of problems on you and like fake problems and see if your bank can handle it, so on and so forth. Um. And it raised the reporting requirements from I think it was fifty billion to two hundred and fifty billion, if I remember correctly. The, the, and this is uh, cus- this is customer assets or uh, bank assets, excuse me. So if you had two hundred, if you had fifty billion in bank uh, assets, you would have been subject to this Dodd Frank, uh, this Dodd Frank Consumer Protection Act. Uh, in twenty eighteen, it got rolled back and got put to two fifty. And look. I, I do kind of want to give it credence. It's certainly possible that this could have been found in 2021 and prevented by the Fed. Could. I'm not totally sure, but it could have. I want to I mean, lend. There is something to it, and I yeah. don't want to like dismiss that out of yeah. We don't have. It doesn't change the fact that the system's built on fractional reserve banking, but yeah, yeah. It, it's it's built on wood chips. It's built on much mulch, mulch, yeah, mulch. It's built on fucking. It's built on crushed Doritos, and that's an and insult I trust, to crushed Doritos. I, I trust crushed Doritos more than I trust fractional reserve banking. But that's that that deserves. Also, this is really fucking good, by the way. I know how to mix. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't figured it out yet, that actually. Well, you know what we need. We need a fucking soundboard for shit like this, so that we can just have a random Crash Bandicoot going whenever you say something. <laughs> right, exactly. Eventually, yeah, eventually, when we get on YouTube. Yeah, exactly. If we get there before everything, <laughs> if we get there before fan. everything hits the fan. Yeah, you yeah, know, shit. Yeah. All right. Um, I did want to touch that because that's you know yeah. that is, that is a big thing. Uh, that is a reason I do want to give the system the, built on McChickens. <laughs> and I like McChicken, so that's an insult to McChicken. Says it's like a good um, uh, uh, sandcastles. That's a good one. I don't I'd, really care for sandcastles, to be honest. 
I hate sand. It's rough and gross and irritating and gets everywhere. (laughs) We're gonna see that fucking quote. Which everyone gets that. Everybody gets that fucking quote wrong. By the way, no, they do. But also, that movie sucks. So it does. But it it does. But also, if you're gonna quote a bad movie, at least quote it correctly. At least quote it right. It's Star Wars. It deserves some level of respect, even though it was arguably one of the worst Star Wars movies. Yeah, actually, I can't even say it was one of the worst anymore because the yeah, eight nine. Yeah, TLJ is worse. Yep. yep, yep, yep. All right. I think that's it. Um, I, I imagine we will be doing an episode next Wednesday. Uh, okay. If they move the meeting day back Tuesday. But this is what you should be paying attention for. This is my guesses. I, I realize it's a lot of guesswork. And it's because I'm not drone powerful. <laughs> um, as much as... We do have like knowledge of the of the system. We don't have knowledge of the inner workings because we just don't have that clearance. Yeah, exactly. I have no idea what's going to happen next Wednesday. Yeah, I have my guess, and you've heard, we've we don't need to go over it again. You've heard now. Be careful, guys. Pay attention. Pay very, very, very close attention. And uh, good fucking luck. <laughs> good. Fucking love. Gods be ever in your favor. Also, uh, go forty-five over nine mil, please. Amen. Get a good ACP. Get get yeah, forty-five over nine mil. Uh, get get buckshot. Not actually. Fuck. Get uh get buckshot, not birdshot, because yep. birdshot. As a as a Dave Chappelle special went. This one right here shakes the box of uh, a birdshot. This will just pepper him up real good. It's true. This one shakes the buckshot. I'll kill a man. I'll kill a man. Which one do you want? And then this motherfucker shakes the box with the deer on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I think that's it. We're not going to say like subscribe or anything, but if you want to, you should. Jesus, fuck.